Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. How can we use social media in a way that supports rather than chips away at positive body image? It's a monster question, the answer to which evolves constantly with new technology, new trends and can look different for everyone. But one thing we do know can really help from research and anecdotal evidence is being choosy about what faces, bodies and voices you let into your personal sphere of influence. And when it comes to things like self-esteem and body confidence, good influences don't come much better than today's guest. Danae Mercer is a journalist turned Instagram sensation who demonstrates self-love and body acceptance to her 2.2 million followers. She exposes the fakery that brands use while flogging diet products online and has made it her mission to help women the world over love themselves a little bit more and judge themselves a little bit less. Cellulite, stretch marks and the rest included. Hello, I'm Roisin Devashio-Kane and this is Going For Goal, the weekly women's health podcast. On this show, we call on top experts to share the tools you need to make good on the health goals that really matter to you. And we also chat to some of our favourite celebrities and wellness heavyweights about what they do to feel and function at their best. Danae was an absolute delight to speak to. She is body confidence personified, but as is so often the case, it hasn't always been that way. In the next half an hour, she opens up about her teenage struggles with anorexia and how being at such a low and difficult place with her body really informs her drive to inspire confidence, self-worth and joy in the next generation. She's a font of knowledge when it comes to navigating the online world in a way that's kind to yourself and others. And she offers up advice from a place of no judgment. Well, unless you're one of the people using her fake before and after pictures to flog detox teas and other diet fads on the gram. I mean, she's judging you pretty hard. If your confidence needs a little pep up in a gentle, supportive and truly we're all in this together fashion, then Danae is your woman. Get comfy, pour yourself a cup of something warming and enjoy. So Danae Mercer, hello. Welcome to the pod. Hi, thanks so much for having me. You're so welcome. So you're a fellow journalist, a content creator and probably one of the most prolific revealers of Instagram trickery uh, that there is on the app when it comes to those flawless body shots. Time and again, you put out this message that what's online doesn't equal real. Why do you do what you do? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, I, I think there are a lot of reasons. Like The big kind of overarching one is that I really, really, really just want to help women and girls, teenagers feel a little bit more comfortable in their skin. I think for so many of us, we struggle with things that feel 
they still feel taboo, whether it's cellulite and stretch marks straight on through to disordered eating or when should I have children or should I be married already? You know, all these topics and things that I myself have felt shame over or struggled with or embarrassed about. And then also, you know, when I was 19, I had an eating disorder and a lot of that journey now informs a lot of what I talk about today. Mm. Would you, are you able to talk a little bit about that, like how it presented and how you, how you were able to get yourself out of that place? Yeah, of course. So my, my eating disorder, I mean, I would say I was always aware of my body and I was, I started dieting from the time I was 13. It was, you know, I did everything. I did Atkins and South Beach and Slim Fast and all the diets that came and went. And then at around 19, my, my mom passed away and my whole world became a big mess. Like everything just fell apart. My family fell apart. School was very intense. Um, and just managing all of that, I started to find control in food. And for me, that my eating disorder presented itself in the form of, of anorexia. So extreme res- restriction. I, you know, cut down calories to a drastically low level, incredibly low, and I lost a lot of weight very quickly, straight to the point where my hair was falling out in clumps and my body hurt and I was always cold. And the only way I could ever get warm was like being in a bathtub the rest of the time, even if I was wearing like, I remember at one point I was wearing three different sweaters and a jacket and I was still cold, you know, because your body is just falling apart essentially. But I'm... I'm incredibly lucky. My my university, Creighton University, and uh, basically, I when we came back from Christmas break, I was I was very sick. I was like noticeably, I I looked very 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 ill, and a couple of professors and staff at my university actually pulled me aside at one point and had a really honest conversation with me. And it was along the lines of like, you need help. You cannot fight this yourself. You cannot, whatever you're trying to battle, like you can't do it alone. Let us help you. And I'm, I'm so grateful because the university got me, they took like the, the three prong approach. So they got me a, a medical professional. So a doctor slash nurse a nutritionist and a psychologist. And for about a year, I was seeing each of those individuals at least once a week. Wow. And the university covered all of that. And it's honestly, it's the reason I was able to recover and, and recover in the way I did. Wow. That's, yeah, that sounds like the gold standard in terms of pastoral care, doesn't it? It was, it was such a blessing, honestly. It's because, you know, disordered eating, eating disorders, they're so complex. It's not just your body. It's not just your mind. It's not just food. It's all these things together in a really dangerous combination. And it's it's no wonder that eating disorders are the deadliest mental illness because mm. it is so complex. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing that. We really appreciate yeah. it. And then, so you recovered. So what age would you say that you were uh, recovered by? Ah, uh, Well, I mean, I think, I think, like I said, eating disorders, they're so complex. There was no, I wouldn't say there's a magical number, it's more of a constant journey. And I, I was really lucky that I um, got a scholarship to Cambridge and that helped a lot with my recovery because it took a lot of these external things that were, I was trying to control, you know, because disordered eating is often about your external environment. And so it took those things and made them not a stress factor anymore. So the, 
being at Cambridge helped, being around, I joined the pentathlon team. So being around women and, and men who viewed their bodies as like powerful tools and incredibly mm. strong, wonderful things that they, they needed to honor by fueling and feeding rather than shrink down and get smaller and starve. That helped, doing sport helped. And, you know, it, it just, it was just this step-by-step-by-step journey where I could now say, you know, I'm incredibly comfortable in my skin and with, with food. Like, I feel no shame around eating that cake. I feel no shame around eating that candy bar. It's all just in balance. Mm. And yeah, that's such a powerful lesson, isn't it? Learning to appreciate your body for what it can do rather than, and what it is rather than, rather than what it looks like. Um, I should also say as well that you, um, you are part of the sprawling global Women's Health family <laughs> as former um, editor-in-chief of Women's Health and Men's Health Middle East. So you've got a background in health and fitness. And obviously we've talked about how you, how you love to train. How did you, what would you say to someone who's curious about how you kind of reconcile those messages of self-love and acceptance um, while working um, for a brand that's kind of all about um kind of improving yourself and getting as like fit and healthy as you could be? Well, I I personally, I mean, I love the women's health, men's health brand. I always have. Like if you were to, that was my dream job. That has always been my dream job is to work with women's health, men's health. I just, like it is a life goal and it, it will forever be one of the proudest moments of my life. And I would say it's not, it's not either or, right? It's not I love myself, I accept myself, or I have fitness goals, I have health goals. It's not one extreme or another, it is both. And for me, loving myself and accepting myself means fueling my body in a way that makes me feel good. It means setting goals that are mentally challenging, that are physically rewarding, that make me feel strong and powerful. It means honoring this incredible vessel that I am, but also loving and trying to celebrate and respect the person I am in this moment while challenging myself for the future it's it's these things that sit side side by side and hand in hand yeah it's not a binary yeah exactly interesting and yeah yeah i've been seeing more and more about that kind of the more conversations that there are about um tackling obesity and stuff and people saying exactly what you said like learning to love yourself it isn't that doesn't mean that people then are like oh i'm fine sometimes that step to love yourself and accept yourself is actually the thing that's going to make someone feel able to then like they're worthy of making themselves nice food or they're worthy of beginning an exercise journey or something like that it's actually it's so fundamental absolutely like I I spoke to a woman the other day who struggled with binge eating disorder and she was saying for her like she used food as a punishment you know it it was this weird situation where she was eating and eating and eating, but she was doing it to hurt herself, to make it painful, you know? And I, I would say I was in a place where I used food as a punishment too. I was starving myself, not because I loved my body, not because I loved myself, but because so much in so many ways was really bad. Mm -hmm. So I think for me, health is this beautiful, like it is one of the most beautiful expressions of self-love we can give ourselves. And that's a huge thing that you're about. And your Instagram bio, it's angles and self-love, which I think pretty much sums it up. Um, and if you, ha- I mean, I'm pretty sure that our um, our listeners will be familiar but if, with uh, with Danae's Instagram, but if not, do go check it out. It's brilliant. That's your message on Instagram. And your 
in contact with millions of women across the world. From what you see and from what they're telling you, how do you think the pandemic has changed people's relationships with their body? Wow. Well, gosh, I think I think the pandemic's made our relationships with our bodies so much more delicate and and in many cases far more challenging. Whether it's women, I had a woman message the other day saying she's gained 40 pounds during during lockdown. And that's something we see with a lot of women is, is they're, you know, they're gaining weight or their routines have changed. They can't go to the gym. They can't maybe go eat at the healthy restaurants they like to eat at. They can't go for long walks. They can't do a lot of the things that they are used to doing. So it's all these things. It's the disrupt, disruption of routine. It's being stuck in our houses, dealing with the mental difficulty, dealing with the stressors of an external environment. And so on one hand, we're we're looking for new coping mechanisms or going back to old dangerous coping mechanisms. Mm-hmm. And for many women, that's dealing with our bodies, that's changing the way we handle our food and not in a healthy way. Or we're dealing with our bodies changing or our routines changing. So all of this chaos has made COVID very, very, very difficult on body image and mental health. I was I spoke to a therapist the other day for um, something I'm working on, and she was saying, like, without a doubt, they have seen a rise in the number of mental health issues during COVID because of all these reasons. So, and it's it's something I'm getting messaged a lot about at the moment. It's the current environment has made it very difficult on women. Yeah. And I guess it makes sense almost, it almost speaks to that thing in your personal journey as well, when you experienced that firsthand, when your world felt like it was falling apart. After the death of your mother, you turned inward to exercise control over yourself and your body. And I guess it makes total sense that in a, in a climate where people feel so disempowered and scared and like they can't choose their next move and they're not in control of what happens next, then you are going to hone in on what you can control, which is food and uh, and your body. So what would you advise as someone who's been there and as someone who, as a journalist, you're in touch with tons of super clever people um, who kind of who you speak to about this stuff all the time. What are some habits that that you do within your day that kind of reaffirms, as you say, you haven't got it completely licked to someone that's recovering or has recovered from eating, from eating disorder. It's a constant journey. But what are some habits that you do in your day that kind of reaffirm this positive, loving relationship that you have with yourself and your body? There are a couple of things I do, especially throughout the week, you know, varying on on different days. One is I try to meditate and it isn't, I used to think meditation was like an hour long where you sit with your fingers on your knees and your back is straight and everything starts to hurt and it's really boring. <laughs> I'm sorry, I know, I know that's not the cool thing to say, but I, would, I was just like, this is just not for me. But there are so many great free apps or like a nominal fee apps that have guided meditations that are like five or 10 minutes long. And they're usually really powerful and about something cool that, you know, you can like imagine. And I like to do those laying in bed with my eyes closed. And about half the time I fall asleep, which is just beautiful. Like what a beautiful way to have a little bit of a nap, but it also really makes me feel calm and calmer in myself. So that's something I do. I go for long walks you know, being out in nature, like being in the fresh air is one of the greatest things we can do for our mental health. And it's great for our physical health. Like so often we think, 
okay, exercise needs to be an hour-long session of grueling hit, and if I don't do that, I'm bad, I'm a failure, I'm not working my body. No, if you if you talk to the experts, if you look at what the governments recommend, like walking is one of the best things you can do for yourself. So it's that kind of double whammy of it's good for my brain, it's good for my body, it makes me feel good. I also love journaling. So spending even, again, just 10 minutes a day, like, what's on my mind? What are my goals? What do I want to achieve that day? What did I, what am I proud of from yesterday? You know, these lovely little things that let us tune into that inner voice and kind of make the outside world feel a little bit less scary. Yeah, that's great. And reminding yourself of who you are, that you're not necessarily just your body, or what yeah. you look like. There's this kind of inner thing that you can yeah. have this dialogue with. Exactly. Great. With social media and kind of creating a more realistic and positive place on Instagram when it comes to body image. Do you feel like everyone has their part to play or do you, I don't know, do you sympathize with people who use tons of filters or are still doing all the poses and haven't quite got to where you're at? Do you think it's on everyone to change? Oh, no. I think sometimes there can be confusion around my message that is tied to this idea of, well, posing is bad. Filters are bad. This is bad. This is wrong. This is shameful. And I'm like, 100% no, that is not my belief. I don't advocate for that. I'm a big believer. Like women as women, as girls, teenagers, whatever, as anyone who identifies as female, we are shamed. We are constantly shamed for whatever decision we make, whether it's to wear makeup or to not, to have children or to not, like to work out too much, to not work out enough. Like there is always something that we are shamed for. And I, I like, I cannot say this enough. What matters to me is that you show up in whatever way makes you feel the most like you. And for some women, that 100%, like say you're a mom and you're on the beach and you want to take a picture that feels sassy, that you look at and you are like, I feel like a hot tamale, you know, and you pose and you angle and you squeeze and you pop. That can be incredibly empowering. But at the same time, if you're that same mom and you're on the beach and your bits are jiggling and your cellulite is out and you are like laughing in the sun with your kids and you catch those photos on camera and you look at that picture and you're like, yes, this feels like me. This is who I am. That's equally as empowering. And I think the same is, is true on social media. Like social media is not this way is right, this way is wrong. It is empowerment looks and feels different on every woman. And I just ask that you show up in the way that actually feels like you. Mm. And you're just offering a little bit of, of behind the scenes so that people can fact check those gloriously smooth <laughs> images that make people think, as you say, oh no, I mean, no, I can relate to it. I'm sure everyone can when you were 18 and you'd be looking at like, I remember becoming aware of like Victoria's Secret models. And it's when you're like, you had this like tiny, you had this like little like teenager's body and you're like, oh my God, it's hideous. I don't have a, because they have like Barbie bums, basically, don't they? It's like, like it's yeah. not a dimple, not an inch, <laughs> yeah. not an anything. And and your your reality is never going to measure up to that. Well, I, exactly. I just want to help educate, like pull back the curtain a bit so that people do look at those images and realize, okay, well, yes, maybe that is exactly true for that person. And that's how they exist, 1,000%. Or maybe they're posing and it's great lighting and it's a professional photographer and they know what to do with their bodies and, you know, uh, all these other things. Or, I mean, this is 
so true is with like dodgy brands that claim, okay, if you take this tea, you will lose 30 pounds in one week. And then they use images to prove it. I, I get sent these all the time and I'm like, I can just, I can pose. I can pose and do that proof. I could be, it could be taken 30 seconds apart and it's the exact same body. And I can look exactly like this ad that is coming out here trying to get your money by feeding on your insecurities. So my goal is just, just to help educate so that, I don't know, so that every woman, I guess, feels a little bit more comfortable in herself and realizes like how incredible she is. How do you look at this image that I've created? Like maybe, okay, a recent one was showing how light impacts how your cellulite shows up, right? Because if, if you're in the sun, like just standing normally, for me, I've got cellulite on my bum and hips and my cellulite shows. 
if I'm in the shade and if I'm posing, my cellulite doesn't or it doesn't as much. Mm. So I did like a side-by-side image talking about it, like same body, different lighting. And then a brand has taken that image to be like, here's before our cream and after our cream. And I'm like, how does that person on the other end of that process be like, this is what we're going to do today. This is, this is what I want to do for my job. This is going to make me feel good. It, like, ah, it blows my mind. <laughs> yeah, it is mad. It is every, yeah, on the, if you spend too long on the explore page, I find <sighs> sometimes some of the stuff you come across, it's just absolutely nuts. You just get yourself out of it occasionally. Do you know, you can, you can actually, because for a while Instagram was showing me some stuff and I was like, I don't want to see this. If mm. you hold it down on explore, you can click like see less images like this. And that's a, I think that's a really powerful tool to avoid if you're like, nope, don't need that triggering nonsense on my feed. Like that's what yeah. you do. Interesting. Do you have any other tips as well as being someone in the body confidence space and also being massively prolific on Instagram? Um, do you have any more tips for using it in like a, in a healthy, in a healthy um, way, in a healthy way? Oh, okay. So one of the things it's, I don't know if you've seen the documentary, I think it's called The Social Dilemma or The Social Network or something, but there's this beautiful quote in it that's talking about how as humans, like we were evolved to take in the feedback of our tribe, like of our community. It's how we function. It's how like, you know, you keep the tribe going and everyone's happy. So we we internalize feedback, but we weren't evolved to take in the feedback from thousands of strangers all around the world on the other end of their phone. And that for me has been a really powerful thing to hold in my heart where I'm like, if you are using the internet, and I think 99.9% of us are at the moment, like try to set those internal boundaries where you maybe don't take in the feedback or you're really careful with the feedback. Make sure that you like do a spring cleaning every six months of accounts you're following and make sure that they're actually making you feel good or feel better or educating or like bringing joy to your day, not leaving you feeling a little bit worse or a little bit angrier, a little bit harsher, those sorts of things. What else? Set intentional timing. So if you pick up your phone, maybe say like, I will look at it for 15 minutes and then I'm putting it down because otherwise we can like go down that little rabbit hole of, wow, it's four hours later and I'm feeling kind of bad. (laughs) (laughs) You know, because I've just compared myself to Mm -hmm. thousands of people I don't know. Exactly. Just trying to create some of those boundaries because we're, our brains aren't ready yet for all this technology. So it's, it's finding that balance. Yes, making it work for you mm-hmm. rather than just sliding, sliding into it and then <sighs> use, losing hours in a squirrel hole. Exactly, a squirrel <laughs> hole. <laughs> that's a great word. Yeah, that, I heard that and I was like, that's exactly it, isn't it? So we yeah. reported recently on rising levels of insecurity that people are experiencing about their own faces in this uh, in this era of work from home when you've constantly got your own face in the in the corner of a Zoom screen. Um, cosmetic doctors in the UK are reporting record requests for things like rhinoplasty, so nose jobs. Um, and this is obviously coinciding with very subtle face filters that can blur out every line, pore and narrow your nose, make your lips more plump and they're becoming even more widespread and kind of even more subtle. I wondered what you think maybe needs to change there because we've kind of, it's like we've had this conversation on um, body image, but it's almost like, I don't know, is the is the face now going to become the next frontier of that almost while we're staring at ourselves all the time and maybe we're not judging 
maybe we're not judging other people's bodies as much because this is this is all that people are seeing. I'm interested to know what you think needs to change there. It's a great question. I think I think it's very complex. I think one of the things that I would encourage every person to do just for their own mental health and sanity, and I I make myself do this too because sometimes it's not easy, and that's to like do some kind of content, some kind of stuff without filters. And like, sometimes you're, you know, filters can be really fun. Like I, I love myself a good filter, especially ones that add sparkles or glitter or whatever, but they could also be really tricky mentally, right? Because if every single day, all you see staring back at you is this like poreless, super glossy, super shiny, change this, enhance that version of yourself that not even like a cosmetic doctor can create because there's no way you will end up with no pores at all in your skin, you know? that can become a bit of a delicate and and difficult thing. So I would say, allow yourself that balance. Like, yeah, filters can be great. They can be really fun, but try to like, okay, this this is me. Like, this is me without a filter. And that's still worthy too. And she's still awesome too. I do worry about the teenagers. I would say adults are one thing. Like we're increasingly smart and we're, you know, we're dealing with our own stuff and we'll get there. But teenagers who have access to things like TikTok and, you know, you're a 12-year-old girl, you're a 13, 12, 11-year-old girl and TikTok automatically, once you set up their beautify feature, it's always on. It's not like Instagram where you go in and you have to like click the, the filter. TikTok, it just, it's just there. And that's just where it is, is making everything shiny and glossy and smooth and super poreless. And I think for adults, that's one thing, but teenagers, that concerns me. Yeah. I don't think it's very likely that TikTok's going to wake up tomorrow and be like, we're going to change this. But instead, <laughs> we we can educate, right? We can educate around, okay, here's why you need to do both. We can educate around how beauty trends come and go. Like, I, I don't know if you saw, but at the moment, there's this real trend for dark under eye circles. And that is like, yeah. It's this whole it's this whole movement and there are even now filters on Instagram that blur your skin, shrink your jaw, but give you some nice little little dark under eye circles. That's so funny. <laughs> but it's 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 wild. But I mean look at look at the eyebrow eyebrow trend, right? I was just about to say and I'm looking at both of us on the Zoom call with like big brushed up brows, but, yeah. but if this was 10 years ago, plucked this to obscurity. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And so, it, okay, it's fine. Like, it's great to embrace that, to play with makeup, to have fun, like to do whatever makes you feel like you. But at the same time, I think just educating ourselves around it, like being aware that these things come and go and they come and go and mm. self-love is complex. Beauty is complex. Digital media has made it even more complex, but trying to find that balance within ourselves yeah. instead of being like constantly like, imperfect, 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 and wrong, yeah. you know? When you when you were talking there about teenagers, I think I guess it really hits at home, doesn't it? Because I think sometimes we can be, because we've kind of almost grown up with this inner critic, sometimes it can feel quite, sometimes the talk about self-love and being nice to yourself, can it can kind of be a bit wasted when you think about yourself. But when you think of a, a younger girl or like a teenager in your life, maybe a niece or a um, or a sister or something. And I think that's when it really, it hits home, doesn't it? Because you kind of put, you put yourself in, in their shoes and you realise how much pressure is, is on them. Would, what advice would you have as someone that really kind of wants to educate teenagers on this? What advice would you have for people that 
are in contact, maybe they're, maybe they're mums of teenagers or, as I say, aunts, friends, what advice would you give them on helping their helping the, the teenager kind of encourage a relation? De- what advice would you give for that kind of young girl on developing a relationship with herself? Because that I feel like that's the key thing, isn't it? Trends will change, digital media will change, but that that self-love and that dialogue and that understanding of who they are, that needs to that needs to be strong. Do you have any advice on for people on how they can help those younger girls nurture that? That is an incredible question. I actually I got asked the other day from a kindergarten teacher who was saying that like some of the girls in her class have already expressed concern about their body shapes. And she was like, what, how do I start that dialogue? What do I do? And if I'm honest, like I, I am not the expert on this. I, I don't have children yet. Like so I think to be a parent in today's age is so complicated and so nuanced. I guess just hearing, cause I do get a lot of messages from younger girls and teens and stuff. And it would, from what they say, I would just recommend like, First off, be really aware of how you speak about your body in front of them or their body, right? Like recently I had, because I was talking about when my stretch marks emerged, like a a 13-year-old messaged me to say like, I'm getting stretch marks. Is this normal? And I was like, well, yeah, it happens at all different ages. That's okay. It's normal. And then I had all these young girls messaging me being like, oh, I'm 11. Oh, I'm 13. Oh, I'm 15. Oh, I'm 16. And my mom spot me cream and like, I'm covering it with duct tape. And my mom was horrified. My family was. And so it's, it's this kind of like subtle, it's so deeply rooted, the things that we are ashamed of, that sometimes it can echo out into younger generations. And so it's, it's like really trying to be conscious of that. Like how we see ourselves impacts them. And then also, also I would say, just, just listen, right? Like these girls are coming to me, a, a complete stranger who, you know, I've never met them a day in their life. And they're telling me stories because they want to feel safe telling those stories to someone. So if you can create that like safe, supportive environment where they can come to you and be like, hey, you know, I'm feeling insecure about this thing on my hip or this thing like on the side of my arm. Like, is this normal? Is this bad? I think this is bad. Is it bad? You know, that I think that could be really invaluable. Yeah. Hold that space for them. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, I... Heck, who knows? All those rules might go out the window when I have children. I think it's I think it's incredibly complex being a parent and I've just got such respect. Absolutely, <laughs> especially here in the UK at the moment, they're homeschooling at the moment. So you've got all of loads of people at our work as well that are doing full-time jobs and then teaching their children at the same time, you know. I don't know. Hats off. I don't know. Just strength to that. Cause I I think being a parent is one of the most like complicated full-time jobs you could ever have. Like you can't one of my best friends is a mom of two and you can't just be like, okay, I'm taking a lunch break or all right, mommy needs a holiday. Like, ciao. <laughs> you know, like I'm going to put up this boundary. Can you not talk to me right now? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. None of that. Exactly. I know. Terrifying. I need some self-love time, please. Just, yeah. just go, go over there, please for two hours. <laughs> Thanks. Like that's it. And you can't even like go to the toilet or have a bath yeah, while being left like, alone. I, I wash them when she showers because she's like, I just, I can shower alone. This is amazing. And I'm like, it's okay. <laughs> I got you. Cats are easier. Yeah, they're so, well, <laughs> the most, they, they like try to get into the shower. They're very weird, my cats. So. <laughs> Today has the most gorgeous, beautifully fluffy cats. Um, <laughs> so that has been, it's been so good to talk to you about this topic. And I should say as well that um, this is the third year of our Project Body Love campaign, which is, 
kind of at the heart of everything that you speak to. So it's about loving loving your body and accepting your body, but primarily at the core of that is loving yourself and accepting yourself and nurturing that relationship. And as you say, as you were saying just then, if you can't do that for yourself, do it for the people around you. Be they your friends, be they your colleagues, be they your be they younger younger generations because we've kind of all we've all got a part to play and as you're right we just learn by copying don't we everyone is influencing everyone so the more kind of caring and compassionate we can be with ourselves hopefully that will that will filter through filter an ironic choice of word there um so the name of this podcast is going for goal so at the end we'd like to ask people what is their what is their goal for the next year so what's yours (laughs) I would say I've got two. One of them is to be a bit more confident in myself, which is something I'm still learning every day. Um, And the other is to, I guess, just help as many women and girls as possible. And I do think the two go hand in hand because the community around me really, they help me more than I help them. So both things. (laughs) That's great. And I think you're definitely helping people feel more confident about themselves. So it sounds like a a very productive two-way street. So good luck with that. Thanks. <laughs> Danae Mercer, thank you so much for coming on Going For Goal. Thank you. Bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed listening to that conversation as much as I enjoyed having it. And whatever stage you're at in your day, you're able to go about the rest of it standing a little taller and maybe being that extra bit more loving to yourself. As ever, if you want to comment on anything that we've raised in this episode, get in touch. All the details of how to are in the show notes, as are some links to organisations that can help if you've been affected by any of the issues in this show. And remember, if you've got a goal in mind that you want to achieve, let us know and we could be helping you get there in an upcoming episode. That's all from Going For Gold this week. We'll be back next Tuesday. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.